0: So we're gonna share some incredibly deep ideas regarding sukkahs, but I wanna start off with a powerful story that I just heard that had a huge impact on me. And the story is a true story of a man who went over to his rabbi at a simcha, it was a wedding. And he went over to his old rabbi, he was a third grade rabbi, and he said, rabbi, do you remember me? And the rabbi said, of course I remember you. How are you doing? And he said, I'm doing great. So the rabbi asked his old Tommy he said, so what are you doing these days? What are you up to? By this time, the boy is, uh, you know, <laughs> he's an adult and he says, I'm actually a rabbi, I'm a teacher. So his old rabbi says, what inspired you to do that? And this man turns to his, his old rabbi and says, you did, you, you inspired me. And he said, how did I inspire you? He said, uh, I'm sure you remember, but I'll tell you the story. The story when I was in third grade and I came from a very poor background, poor family. And I didn't have any money. And one day, another boy in the class came to class with a fancy watch. And I wanted it. I didn't have anything like that. So I stole it. I stole his watch. And of course, a couple minutes later, he had left it on the desk. And I had taken it when he went to get something. He came back and the watch was gone. He went over to you, went over to the Rebbe. And he said, Rebbe, someone stole my watch. So you lined us all up. And you told us to turn around towards the wall to close our eyes. And one by one, you started to check our pockets and the watch was in my pocket. So you were getting closer to me and I was thinking my life's about to be over. My life is about to be over. You're about to pull out the watch. Everyone's going to know that I'm a Ghanav and I'm going to be branded as a Ghanav for my whole life. And everyone's going to think of me as a Ghanav and that's it. My life's over. Stand closer and I was like counting down the seconds until everything was gonna explode and lo and behold you came to me obviously you found the watch in my pocket and you told everyone to turn around you went over to the boy who owned the watch you gave him back his watch and that was it and I was like how in the world why in the world what in the world What's just happened you didn't tell the boy who had his watch stolen, who stole the watch. He didn't make a scene in front of the whole class and no one knew that I stole the watch. And I was thinking, okay, no, no one knows, but at least you're gonna bring it up to me. Like you're gonna like give me that look, but you never gave me a look. You never gave me a look. And not only that day, but the entire year, you never once came over and and acknowledged it, told me about it, talked about it. You just. We moved on. And not only did you save me from the embarrassment of having the person know that I stole his watch, not only did you make a scene from the class that everyone in the class would have known that I was a of, but you didn't even make a scene with me, you didn't even make it uncomfortable between me and you. And as I grew up I was, uh, oh, that, that always stuck with me and I was thinking about how much of an impact you had on me because I, I was able to really move past it. I was able to get past the fact that I made a mistake and I learned from it. And I obviously have never done it again, but I was thinking, the impact you had on me, I want to have that impact on other people. So I decided, I'm going to be a rabbi. I'm going to be a teacher, and I'm going to have an impact on people. And this man is talking to his rabbi, and the rabbi doesn't seem to have like a look of, like, wow on his face. He so he turns to Shabba and he says, Rabbi, don't you remember this? And the rabbi says, to be very honest with you, I, I don't. So he says, how can you not remember this? This is like a big scene. How can you not remember it? So the rabbi said, to be honest with you, the reason I don't remember it is because I was closing my eyes, too. Wow. Like, when I heard that, I was like, that's a story. Rebbe was closing his eyes, why? Because he didn't want to look negatively at the boy either. He didn't want to have that negative perception either. And I was thinking, on the one hand, this is so powerful in terms of perception how we see ourselves, how we see other people, how we see Torah and us, how we see Hashem. It's the lens through which we see things. But then I was thinking that we're about to ha- give a shiur on, on Sukkot. We're going to delve into so many different powerful topics when it comes to Sukkot and Hashanah Rabbah and Sibchus Torah. I was thinking about one of these fascinating questions we can ask, which is, do you have to close your eyes? To think about, perceive, and experience the spiritual, you have to close your eyes, because that's that's the default that you think is: you close your eyes, you had a kumsitz, and you're you're transcending this world. And one of the things we talk about, we we talk about this powerful theme about seeing the physical through the seeing the spiritual through the physical. Opening your eyes, and seeing the spiritual. So I want to delve into some deep themes when it comes to circus, and I want to kind of introduce this, this idea that I just shared with you as maybe like a, a paradigm through which we can approach this Okay, Let's try to try delve deeper into circus only because circus is such a complicated Chag. Not only because of its time, and coming right after Yom Kippur, which is a time of transcendence for Malachim, we're angels, and then we come back into circus, man, we're literally engaging in the physical world, Full throttle, and another really interesting aspect of Sukkot is the fact that it's so many different chagim. We have Sukkot, then we have uh, Shana Raba and Shmiat Zaris and some Chustor, depending if you're in to or Israel. It's the same day in Israel. But what what are these different stages of Sukkot, and what is the real essence of Sukkot? What is Sukkot about? Because halachically, the ikur, the main element of the sukkah, is the schach. The schach. Now, why? Also the the Gemara and Sukkah always refers to the Sukkah in the context of the Beis HaMikdash, comparing and contrasting the Sukkah to the Beis HaMikdash. What's the connection between the Sukkah and the Beis HaMikdash? And we're not going to delve so much into the Arba Aminim, but the Arba Aminim also. You have a really interesting, uh, Chazalga have so many different analogies when they talk about the Arba Aminim. And the, you have the Lula of Lulav Is one entity, or is it three different entities with the Lulav, the Dasm and the Ravos, and the Esrog, and the, is the Esrog separate? You put it together, and it's, you know, Eged is one unit, and it's so many fascinating questions to think about when we think about the relationship between the Arbamidim themselves, the Arbamidim and the Sukkah, and what the essence of the Sukkah is, a Dior Sarai, leaving our sturdy home, and really recognizing that the sturdiness and everything, all of our our sustenance and our ability to thrive in this world stems from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And it's a time of hashkacha, and yet we also have uh, the guests that we uh, invite into our sukkah, and we're going to try to delve into at least one of the guests. David Hamelach comes on Hoshana Rabbah. The Shmizin. What's this idea of the Shmizin? So let's let's open it up because if we were going to give 15 she'erim, then we can delve into each of these topics separately, but I want to kind of build a, a, a framework, a picture through which we can delve into a lot of different aspects of sukkahs, and perhaps in the future we'll delve deeper into specific topics, have a whole shir on one specific question, but I want to I delve into the, the chag more generally. And obviously, we're going to go very deep, but because we're going to go more generally, we're going to build a bunch of deep seeds, deep concepts, and hopefully tie them together. So let's start with with the question of the sukkah itself. The, the essence, the ikra, the main halacha component of a sukkah is the shach, and the shach Besides for being the roof, it has to be somewhat transparent. It has you have to be able to see the stars at night. It has to let sunlight in. if you learn the if you learn through the Gemaras, there's a lot of halacha questions in terms of the transparency, how much sunlight, what's a problem, what's not a problem. But why does this chach need to be transparent? And that's what's one question. And also, you can think of it as. One of the most perplexing connections between the sukkah and schach, the chazal make, is Sara. Sara Uh Rashi picks up on the fact that Sara's other name was Iska, which has the same root as schach. So the Sara Imeinu somehow has some fundamental connection to sukkah. So so Iska, what's this idea of Iska? Why is it so connected to schach and sukkah? and Chazal actually talk about how the tzachach and tzachach teaches us the paradigm, the most important concept of what true beauty is. So you don't really think of tzachach as having to do with beauty and sari menu. What's, what's going on here? What's the connection between beauty and tzachach? And, and there's a fascinating midrash. The midrash says that when a person's body is in this world, it's not complete. It's not complete. When will it be complete? It will be complete when there's So the Ramchal and goes into this in a very deep way. It says that our goof, our physical body, is not able to contain the full essence of ourselves. So we are no longer able. Adam Harishon, his guf was able to fully reflect his neshama, fully encompass his neshama. So for example, your intellect, your mind is limited because it's in a limited body. You can't think about the infinite because you're in a finite body. You can contemplate the infinite, but you can't actually contain it. So another aspect is that your body is actually limited. For example, Chazal talked about how we've mentioned this many times, that when you originally looked at Atamarishon, you saw his neshama, his self. When you look at me, when I look at you, I only see your face. I don't see your thoughts, I don't see your inner consciousness. I don't see yourself, I don't see your spiritual essence, I just see your face. When you looked at Atamarishon, you originally saw him, his soul, his self, his neshama, his ani, his eye, his inner self. And the mashal that we've given him many times in the past is a light bulb. When you look at a light bulb, you see light. You look very closely, you see just the outer surface of the bulb. That's what Adam HaRishon used to look like. And after he sins, he fell. The physical world fell. We We became much more physical. And we can no longer see the spiritual root. Just like when you look at the world, you can't see Hashem, the spiritual root of the physical world. When you look at someone's face, you don't see their spiritual root, their inner consciousness, their inner world. But in addition to that... There's a limitation to how much of our true selves we can access because our body is so limited. So the Midrash says that when it comes to the times of T'chiyas HaMesim, our body will be finally uplifted back to its original state, T'adam and we will be compared to Sara, to Sari So once again, there's a strange comparison between, on the one hand, Schach and Sara, on the other hand, tzchach and beauty. in the other hand, our true ideal state of nefesh, uh, let's say our neshama and guf, uh, we won't get into the complexity, different aspects of the neshama right now, but the neshama and guf, and sari, as this ideal. So the, the question is, what is the connection between all these different things? What's the idea here? So here, here's the, the framing idea that we're going to delve into. And it's going to obviously have a big impact when we talk about Hoshana Rabba and the uniqueness of Hoshana Rabba and Simchas Torah. But let's start with Sukkah. So let's start with Schach. The main idea of Schach is transparency. Why? Because Sukkah is about getting outside of the normal rhythm, the teva, the normal rhythm of our lives, and it's learning to see past the surface. Transparency, when you are able to see past, what appears on the surface. And the analogy I like to give is at night, you look through a window and the lights on your room and you just see a reflection of yourself. If you can get past that, if you really focus closely, all of a sudden that window turns into a window. It's no longer a mirror, you can see past the surface everything that lies outside. When you see only the physical surface of reality, you're living in a realm of ego of limitation of uh, well, uh, in, in the the Kabbalistic concept is Simpson, but you're living in a very limited reality. You're living in a world that's very unidimensional, very physical, finite, and corporeal. When you learn to see the world through a spiritual lens, when you learn to think conceptually, philosophically, intellectually, spiritually, and not just intellectually, Distinct from emotion but first step is intellectually learning to see the world, perceive it with your mind, and then integrate that into how you live your life, which then gets fed through the emotions and ultimately how you live your life through action. That's the full component of Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. Nefesh, your physical aspect of yourself, Ruach, the emotional, and the intellectual. You synthesize all those together and you as an inner consciousness are able to fully infuse the conceptual, ethereal, spiritual, intellectual with all the aspects of how you live your life. That's the essence of what Sukkot is about. It's learning to see the world through a spiritual lens, and that's chach. that's transparency. Learning to look at a surface and say, I can see through that surface into a whole dimension of higher reality. You learn to look up at the sky and perceive and conceive of and ponder the wonders of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world, and really of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Rambam says that one of the most amazing ways to build Yura HaShem and Abba HaShem is to go out and just contemplate and perceive the wonders of reality, to become finite and infinite at the same time, to all of a sudden look at the night sky and become so small, but then surge into the infinite once you realize that you're part of that, and that you can connect to that, and that you have a cosmic infinite role to play in the world. So Sukkot is really all about this idea of connecting to the infinite through the finite, connecting past the surface but through the surface. And that's the idea of the nesham and laguf. When you look at someone, all you see is their physical body, but you can use their body, their physical expressions, their actions, their facial expressions, their body language, the words they say, the actions they do, to perceive what's going on inside. So I can't see your thoughts. I can feel your emotions. I can't conceive of what it's like to actually be you, but I can, through all of your outer expressions, tap into and connect to what's behind that surface, to what's actually at root, to the actual you. That's what we do with HaKadosh Hash- Baruch Hu. We can't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but through the physical world, through Torah, through mitzvah, through tefillah, through, t- through, t- through, t- through, t- through everything that happens in the physical world, we can trace it all back to the actual root. We can connect to the root. We can connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So... It's learning to use the medium as a medium, not as a wall, not as an end. The ceiling, the schach, turns into something transparent that you can connect to something deeper. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't perform miracles anymore, we don't have Nevuah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't openly reveal himself, but through the hidden past, you know, Purim and Chanukah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu transitioned into uh, a time of Nistar, a time of Teva, finding the miraculous, the Nisim Neflos within the Nistarium, the Nisim Nistarium, as the Ramban famously says in Parshat's Bow, we begin to be able to perceive the infinite through the finite, perceive the miraculous through the natural, the infinite, and the ethereal through the physical and corporeal, we start to begin to become infinite beings living within a finite world. We don't have to escape our finitude. We can use it and infuse the infinite within the finite by connecting to the infinite through the finite. So that's not meant to be too poetic. You should still be able to really understand what I'm saying, but it's a beautiful, beautiful concept. To be living in a higher plane of reality while still within this plane of reality is mind-blowingly incredible. That's what Avraham taught us. He taught us that, you know, mitzvah, Maharal talks about the Lashem Tzavta, we don't escape the physical to connect to Hashem. Tzavta has connection. We use physical mitzvahs, wearing scissors, eating matzah, shaking lulav. we use physical mitzvahs to connect to the infinite. That's a mind-blowing concept. Well, you know, Buddhism says you have to negate everything finite, all physical reality, and just transcend will itself, just connect to something completely beyond. We say no. And then other religions also say, if they reject physical aspects, reject uh, you know marriage and and the other corporeal physical elements of life in order to be spiritual, we say exactly the opposite. First, you have own Kippur. We are, we're angels, but then you come down to the physical world and you use the physical world to connect the infinite. And it's a profound idea. Where is the focus? Is the focus on the infinite, we're just using the physical to that's the infinite? Is the focus on bringing the infinite into the finite? Is the focus somehow living in that meeting point? where we're somehow between the two in both of them and beyond both of them, within one of them. It's a mind-bending exercise to think about where the focus should be, but the focus should be within both and yet beyond both, and then also being able to transition between the two. And that's a very interesting marriage between the physical and the spiritual, which we'll hopefully talk a little more about. But another paradigm, besides for just in the shum and the guf, the physical and the spiritual, of you yourself. And besides for just the paradigm of HaKash Baruch Hu at root and HaKash Baruch manifest within the physical world, two examples we just gave, another example is ideas and wisdom and words. So for example, when you learn, when you listen to Shir, when you listen to this year, when you listen to Pashir, when you're engaging in Talmud Torah, the main point is not to be mukayim just the mitzvah of Talmud Torah and to go through the motions. The main point is to break down the words you're hearing, the words you're reading, the words you're listening to, and to get to the essence, the ikkar, the idea itself. That's why Kachbaruch spoke the world into creation. The idea of creating the physical world through speech is that the idea of chachma, chachma. The Kachbaruch created the world with chachma. Right. One of the, the Gir "Chazal use as birachus, Hakadosh Baruch Hu created the world birachus. Birachus also refers to chachma, wisdom." The physical world is something finite. Through the finite, you can trace it back to its root, the conceptual spiritual root, which is ideas, wisdom, and Torah, Torah thought. That's the idea when you hear a Torah shir. You don't want to just listen to words. You want to break down the words and get back to the actual root idea. You use the surface, the words, to get back to the idea. Words are always a finite expression of something infinite. That's why the word for word is a davar, which is a thing. A word is just a thing. What is Mila Is a is to cut, and teva is a box, because what is a what is a word, what is speech? Words are taking ideas, infinite ideas within your head. It's immediately, it's cutting it up into something finite, putting it in a teva, in a box, a word, and davar, it's just that thing. So when you speak, you're really taking the infinite bringing it down into the finite. So the Maharal says, why Moshe couldn't speak? He didn't have a speech impediment, like he had a lisp. a speech impediment because he couldn't take the infinite into the finite. He couldn't bridge the infinite and the finite. And that's why the Maharal says that in Sefer Dvar, once HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe, the Torah showed that you can take the infinite Chachma, the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and put it into finite words, Moshe was miraculously now able to speak as well. They HaMosh, and Moshe gained the power of speech as well after that. So this is the powerful idea behind the infinite and finite, the spiritual and physical, that the physical is a surface, a transparent surface. It looks like it's not transparent, but when you learn to see the physical world through a spiritual lens, you learn to view the physical as something transparent and that's the idea of beauty the idea of beauty physical beauty and every other form of beauty is the limited surface is there to reveal something infinitely more and so physical beauty is not just having a parallel goof when your body is symmetrical and you look physically great because a lot of physically beautiful people are ugly when they open their mouth, it's almost haunting how ugly people can be. And a lot of people who don't have symmetrical faces or the most beautiful physical form are absolutely beautiful. Not uh, I was just talking to someone about this when I was saying how we kind of have fluffed this idea over when we talk about inner beauty. When we say physical beauty, we're talking about something absolutely extraordinary. Physical beauty is real, right? Right. But inner beauty is having that true oneness, balance, and harmony, and a true, true paralleled, symmetrical awesomeness with your emotional self, with your intellectual self, with your consciousness, your meditative inner consciousness. It's having that same concept of true beauty with those things and then manifesting it through your physical body. So emotional stability and beauty truly mastering your emotions, being able to use your emotions, truly mastering your intellect, being able to then manifest that through how you speak, manifesting your higher consciousness, your higher awareness, being self-aware, truly self-aware, and then manifesting through how you act and live your life, that's inner beauty. It's not this fluffy concept of, oh, be a nice, good person, and that's inner beauty. That's, that's why people don't appreciate when you downplay physical beauty for inner beauty, because people don't understand what you mean by inner beauty. But you know, we're not talking about just being a nice, good person. We're talking about truly developing yourself, truly creating something extraordinary within, and then manifesting that outside through through your physical goof, through your physical body. So physical beauty is a fascinating question. Is it ideal? Is it not ideal? So Adam Harishan obviously had this ideal goof, this ideal physical goof that reflected the spiritual self. But now... Now, just one Can I get something to drink. As always, I make a bracha before this year. No left neighbor to make you think I didn't make a bracha. So, Adam Rishon had this original beautiful goof, and once, he said, the physical body no longer fully reflected his spiritual inner self. But Sara Imenu was one person who did, and that's the idea behind Yiska, so Yiska means transparent. It means to see through. It means to see through, to be able to perceive what's inside through the outside. And that's the idea of schach, transparent. Sorrow we know is physically beautiful. The Mitzrayim lusted after her, and the Mitzrayim were not interested in spiritual beauty, inner beauty. They were interested in, in physical exterior beauty. But besides for having physical beauty... Sara Imenu was able to fully, fully express everything within on the outside, which is a, a profound idea behind a very famous and perplexing Rashi. So Rashi, according to Midrash, says that Avraham never noticed how beautiful Sara was until they were going down to Mitzrayim. So like, really? Like, what does that mean? But the idea is so profound, because until they went down to Mitzrayim, Avraham saw Sara as a full being, He didn't like isolate her physical beauty as a different aspect of herself. He saw her, her full self, which the ikr, the essence, the true focus was everything that Sarah really was. The physical was great, but it was just a surface that revealed something infinitely deeper. But when they were going down to Mitzrayim and Avram had to think about what the Mitzrayim will say, he suddenly realized that just as a physical being also, Sarah was immensely beautiful. And the idea is that when you're truly, truly living on that, spiritual plane, people don't see your physical body. They see who you are. They see your inner world, your values, what you think about, what you speak about, what you actually have chosen to become with your life. And physical exercise, taking care of your physical body, that's that's essential. It's important. It's fundamental. But the whole purpose is for what's actually it, or what's actually important in life, which is you. Who are you? What are you doing with your life? What are you becoming? What are you expressing when you talk, when you think, when you act, when you how do you live your life? And that's the, the real powerful idea behind Sneas. Sneas is not meant to hide you. The ideal isn't to wear a garbage bag on your head and to be invisible. The ideal is to hide the exterior to the extent that people are able to focus on who you actually are, and not just be captured by an outer expression of yourself. People will judge you right away when all you do is focus on your exterior people will think that you are an exterior think you are a physical person but when your focus is on on being modest so that people are able to focus on you then they start to actually perceive you that's also one of the powerful spiritual ideas of covering your hair the hair is, is is a very deep topic. We're not going to delve into it now. For those of you who uh, just want to, like a little kernel of a powerful concept of why, why when a woman gets married, she covers her hair. Hair is very sensual. And the reason why is because hair grows in areas that reflect potency for outer expression of potential. So whenever there's a place on your physical body that has very potent potential for outer expression, you grow hair there. And why you grow hair there, we can give a whole shear on that. It's a powerful, powerful topic. Uh, we're not going to right now. Seir comes from the word shar, which is a gate, which basically, it's we're, Asaph. We're not, it's, it's Asa. not going to get into, into this idea right now because Asaph was very um, physical. The idea of hair is something finite, something a finite expression of the infinite. So, for example, you grow hair in your head because the place of your moach, of your of your thoughts, which is where you basically speak out into the world words. So your head has a lot of hair because that's how you express your thoughts into the world. Under your armpits you have hair because that's how you extend in the world through action. Your aver, your private parts where you procreate, has a lot of hair because that's where you expand and extend yourself into the world um, to create an extension of yourself through Purvu, through having children. So... So people have, feet on, have hair on their arms and on their legs. We're not going to go into, That's why you also, you have more hair in places where there's a more potent expression of inward infinity, inward potential out into the physical world. So when a woman gets married, she covers her hair because her hair is a very sensual aspect of her outwards expression, which should be kept between her and her husband. So the idea of, of Tznua is not an idea of hiding you and pretending like a, uh, someone like you're not important or like we shouldn't focus on you, you should just bis- disappear. Chas is the opposite. It's allowing you to actually express who you truly are as opposed to being seen for just something on the surface. And I'd like to suggest that this is also the idea behind that mitrash that when Tchiyas occurs, we're going to be like Sarah. Because when Tchiyas occurs, the ideal is for the physical body to fully reflect the inner self, the inner Shema, for not only like conceptually that you should say what you think, but also your your, your actual physical body should look illuminescent and transcendent. Right? Nowadays it doesn't. And the Ramchal talks about this in Great length, as we mentioned. But in Times T'chiyas the Ramchal says that the goof is once again going to fully reflect the soul. And that's the idea of Sarah. Because Sarah is that paradigm for a goof that does fully reflect the soul. And that's why, by the time we will look like Sayyaminu. So the idea to close off this first section of the shir, the idea of sukkus, is really honing in and tapping into this concept of perceiving that which is deeper through the surface. And just think about it, when you... Think about any mitzvah you're doing. There's always a deeper level, a deeper layer. Tefillah, there are deeper levels of kavan and concentration. Learning Torah, there are always deeper levels of understanding. Self-awareness, there are deeper levels of understanding yourself. Thinking about and contemplating, connecting to Hashem, there are always deeper levels. Every aspect of life has an infinite spectrum of how much you can tap into, how much you can access. And Sukkot is where we say, okay, we just had an amazing Yom and It's a new year. Let's take the next step. Let's go a level deeper. Let's extend even further. Let's see past the surface in the way that we never did before. Let's go deeper. And I'm gonna challenge you to really push yourself because when you learn a new deep idea, when you are get tooled armed with powerful concepts, powerful ideas, it allows you to perceive everything that connects to that idea in a deeper way. And then you start to realize how infinitely valuable ideas are, how infinitely valuable Torah concepts are. You start to build a treasure chest, a filing cabinet, a system, and you start to reorganize your inner world so that you learn to see with deeper eyes. And let's take the next step. So now we have this concept of Sukkot, And we have six days of Sukkot, And then we get to the seventh day, Hoshana Rabbah. And Whenever you hear numbers in Torah, you should always go back to the powerful spiritual concepts of numbers. The Maharal talks about the power of numbers in many, many different ways. And you should always think about the concept of six, seven, eight. We've talked about this many, many times. That the physical world is comprised of sevens. Why sevens? Because the physical world is seven. What's seven? So there's seven days in the week. There's seven colors in the spectrum of light. There's seven notes in the musical scale. Sheva aminim. Sheva I can go on and on and on. Seven, seven, seven. Why? So the Maharal says that the physical world is built off of seven. Teva is seven. And why? Because we live in a three-dimensional world. So in order to understand this, you have to think of it as the physical world and the spiritual. The spiritual is always eight. teva. Once again, Why? So it works like this. We live in a three-dimensional world, which really means six sides. Why? Because a three-dimensional world is right, left, forward, backward, up, and down. So that three really turns into six. But you have a six-sided cube, a three-dimensional cube, it could just be three, you know, six sides long on a floor. The fact that they're connected is the seventh. The seventh is always that which connects the pieces together. And the eighth is the melomentova. So you have a physical body, but there's a soul. You can have a physical entity but that which is spiritual and transcendent ethereal that which is infinite that which transcends the pieces that's lamalaminateva so we've talked about many different examples of this we're not going to focus too much now but keep that in the back of your mind we'll come back to it so let's think about Hashanah rabbah the seventh so we're coming to now this concept of the seventh which is that which connects the six pieces together and also that which connects the sixth to the eighth right shabbos is main olam haba. Shabbos is the seventh day. It's also the middle of the week. That's why I can make Abdullah until Tuesday night because also the center of the week, it's that seventh, that which sandwiches both sides of the week but also is at the center. And the idea of Shabbos is uh, a taste of olam haba. You stop all creative activity, no malacha in Shabbos, and you connect to that which is transcendent. So it's the seventh which connects you to the eighth. So now we're talking about Hoshan Rabbah. Hoshan Rabbah is the seventh day of Sukkot. Now it was Rabbah Part of Sukkot is a different chag. It's the the the, the famous halacha question is for Shmini Is Shmini Yatzeris a separate chag, right? Some people don't sit in the sukkah on Shmini There's a whole discussion in the Gemara whether Shmini is the eighth day of Sukkot or a completely separate chag. It's really just its own day. It's kind of like the idea of Lamalamim and the eighth, which is separate from the seven. It stems from the seven. It's only because of the seven, but it's separate from the seven. Like, think about that. Semchus Torah is also the eighth, but it's the ninth and Chutzlaretz. We're not gonna, there's a lot to talk about here, but let's focus on Hoshana Rabbah right now. Hoshana Rabbah is the seventh day. Now the seventh day of Sukkot is a very, very interesting day. First of all, the of Hoshana Rabbah is David, HaMelech, why? What does David Hamelchav do? We can give a whole show to all the other species, but right now we're going to focus on Hoshana Rabbah. So, why is David connected to Hoshana Rabbah? And also, why is this on sukkos? Well Why is Hoshana Rabbah on Sukkot? We, we need to understand what Hoshana Rabbah is, but whatever it is, why is it on Sukkot? Why isn't Sukkoth just, you don't have like different types of days of Hanukkah, there's no different types of days of Pesach. On Sukkot we have these different days. What is Hoshana Rabbah? There's this idea in Chazal that the Gemar Din actually only finalizes on Hoshan Rabba. So you have Rosh Hashanah, that's the Yom HaDin, but it's only Gemar Chasima on Yom Kippur. But even that is really only finalized on Hoshan Rabbah. Why? What is Hoshan Rabbah in relation to the Gemar Din? Why is the Gemar Din on Hoshan Rabbah? What's going on here? And... There are also some really strange things we do in Hoshana Rabbah. If you've been to davening on Hoshana Rabbah, you realize that Hoshana Rabbah's tefillah is like a combination of like all the different tefillahs during the year, and all different Chagim's tefillahs, and it's different different tunes, different Nusachs. You basically have so much combined into one tefillah, it's like kind of like highlight reel of the whole year's tefillah. And then we bang the Arevos on the floor, very strange feel of what's going on. There's so much to think about. What is the deeper idea here when it comes to Oshana Rabba? So the best starting place is to think about David Hamelach. David Hamelach is Melachamashiach. HaMashiach. Now, once again, because of the, the type of shear this is, we can't give a full shear in every aspect of the shear. And this would require a whole Holshir to really understand David Hamelch, his life, his story, what he represents, the different aspects and themes of David Hamelch, and tefillah, and teshuva, anava, um, tzemach David, the fact that he was rejected at a young age and that no one thought he would be anything and that he became so extraordinary, music is so connected to David to tehelem, you know, playing the harp, so... The the basic concept that we're going to focus on with David Hamelch, is that David Hamelch represents Malchus. So De, Malchus, Malchus based David, the, the kingship stems from David HaMelech, and also Melchamashiach, the kingship of Mashiach, the ultimate concept of redemption of kingship, stems from David Hamelch. Why David HaMelech we need to think about, but let, let's begin like this. What is Malchus? Malchus is a spiritual concept. Malchus, it's one of the ten midos, ten spheros of a Baruch Hu. It's the last, it's the, it's the seventh of the lower, it's the tenth overall, but it's the seventh of the lower midos, which, if you don't know what that means, that's okay, that's, a, once again, not even a shir, that's a whole series, but the concept of malchus, the concept of kingship, needs to be understood, because you can think of leadership and kingship as serving the king, right? If you think about medieval kings, medieval kings, What was the purpose of their kingship? It was selfish. The focus was you give honor to the king, you respect the king, you fear the king, you love the king. But the essence of being a king is selfish. I want my constituents, I want the people to serve me. I want all the noblemen, I want everyone to serve me. So the idea of being a king is really being a self-serving monarch, a self-serving leader. And then you have democracy. Democracy is the opposite. It's that the entire purpose of rulership, of leadership, is to serve the people. So people got sick and tired of corrupt kings who were selfish and crazy and basically sent everyone out to war and to their death just to expand their domain and to basically serve their own egos. So people rebelled. And they ultimately built a democracy where the people vote for leaders. But what is a leader now? And this isn't to not democracy. It's just a question of what democracy is. Democracy is where the leader is no greater than the people. And to be honest, the, the leader is actually nothing. Because all the leader is, is someone who tells the people what the people want to hear so that they will get voted in. Which is why you have so much corruption in politics. Because what you, you don't really know what anyone actually thinks or believes because they need to be voted into power. So they need you to like them, they need you to vote for them, and you're gonna vote for what you want, so they need to tell you what you want so that you'll vote for them. Now, are we gonna revolutionize politics based on the fact that there's a problem with the democracy? Absolutely not, but democracy might be better than kingship, at least a selfish king, but there's still problems with democracy. But what's a true malch? What's malchus? What's the Jewish concept malchus? And why do we still believe that the ideal is malchus? There's no question that malchus can be corrupt. But the ideal concept of malchus is someone who has no ego and no selfish motives, is completely transparent, and wants one thing and one thing only, to be a medium and a conduit to connect the people, to connect Klai Yisrael to Hashem. So as opposed to being selfish, where the purpose is to serve the king, as opposed to being nothing, where the purpose is to serve the people, the purpose of a true malchus, the purpose of David's malchus, is to connect Kla Yisrael to their ultimate source, to the Makor, to their Makom, to Akash Baruch Hu, to the true Melech, Akash Baruch Hu. So the idea is that a Melech is nothing other than a powerful medium, an inspiring medium, an awesome inspiring medium that helps inspire the Klai Kla Yisrael to connect to Akash Baruch Hu. Now, this requires, number one, negating your ego. Number two, being a tremendous tamachachim. Number three, recognizing that negating your ego is not becoming nothing, but it's becoming everything. Because the goal in life is not to become like an ego nothing, that just, says, all I want to do is serve a no, because who's serving HaKosh Baruch Hu? What are you if you're nothing? The goal is to become extraordinary, to become your ultimate self, but to have no ego involved. To recognize, number one, all of your ka'chos come from HaKosh Baruch Hu. Number two, the entire purpose of becoming extraordinary, becoming your ultimate self, getting an extraordinary personality, developing yourself, developing skills and talents and learning and crafting and creating yourself, really discovering yourself, becoming your ultimate self. The purpose of that is to, is to devote it then to something even higher than yourself, the ultimate self, the ultimate, self, the ultimate source of all self, Akash Barucho. So the idea here is not becoming nothing, it's becoming everything. David was an extraordinary individual, one of the greatest of all time. But he devoted everything he was to his source. I mean just read to Helen, and you just basically hear David saying, I you know, we'll get to this. David says, I am it's like just like pouring out his heart and soul to Akash Baruchu. So this is also the idea of true beauty. The idea is basically embracing your higher self, reflecting Ka'osh and having your inner self. We talked about your body reflecting your soul. What about your soul reflecting a higher soul? Right? So your inner self reflecting your higher, true, ultimate self, Akash Baruch which is the root of all self. And the Nefesh talks about Akash Baruch as the Neshama, Shal Neshama, the ultimate root of all self. Now, the idea here is that David HaMalach was this ultimate Malach this ultimate conduit of revealing into the world. And this is the power of David Hamelch. I mean, want you to think about it. David HaMalch literally, what's the idea of negating your ego? Number one's recognizing that your life comes from Hashem. We we all feel that we have a right to, to happiness. We have a right to, you know, something. And why isn't my life going the right way? Well, first of all, do we have a right to life? You have no right to life. You have no... You didn't deserve to be born. You didn't do anything to be born. Your, your life is a gift. Our, the fact that we're here is a gift. Hashem gave us life. And we recognize that every day we are given this extraordinary gift called life. It comes with a, a gift. We're life also a responsibility of living our ultimate purpose, living our ultimate life. We're here for a reason. And our job is to discover that reason and live with that passion and purpose. But Davon Hamel took that to a whole new level because Davon Hamel literally has no Independent source of life. What am, what am I referring to? A famous, famous midrash that David Hamelch was supposed to die very, very early. Actually, after only a couple of hours after his birth, he's supposed to die. And Adam harishun saw this and decided to give David Hamelch seventy years of life. Seventy years of life. Why seventy? So first of all. That's why Adam Isha, instead of living for a thousand lived for 930 years. Seven years of his life and went to Divinamelak. So we're not going to get into all the details because it's a very complicated, fascinating topic, which requires a lot of discussion when it comes to mathematics and numbers. But to put it very simply, what's the number 70? It's comprised of seven and ten. Seven times ten. Ten is the largest complete isolated number. Right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, then you just repeat. One again is 11, two again is 12, three again is 13. You just keep on going back. Ten is the complete set. That's why there's ten asarasa dibros on the Luchos. That's why there's ten midos of akaras baruch, ten spheres. That's why you will have so many fundamental um, concepts that are split into the concept of ten, because ten is a full set. What's seven? Once again, seven represents this idea of the physical, this idea of something. Complete within the physical world, so we have seven lower midos, seven lower spheres. That's why the idea of seven is something. Sviya means full, complete. We'll talk about later how shmona is Shamin, shemin. Shamin is fat; something expands beyond, but Sviya, something full, is seven. Right? So seven is full. Shamin expands beyond the full. Right? But seven is this physical full reality. So David Hamelach Malchus is the seventh. David is the seventh. Literally, is the seventh. Why is David the seventh? So first of all, the fact that seven is sfi is complete, and ten is the full, the 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 smallest. It's basically the the. It's a complete number. It's the largest of from one to ten. It's the complete number. So seven times ten is complete fullness. So David lived seventy years. He lived a completely full life, which is a powerful powerful concept to begin with. And that's why literally David is seven. So David lived to the 70th year, 70 years of his life. He's the seventh Ushbizen, an Hoshana Rabbah, which we'll get into. He was destined to be with Bathsheva. Bathsheva literally means Bathsheva, the daughter of seven, right? And, i mean if your mind is being blown right now like i don't know what will blow your mind because this is incredible it's like david is seven and to take it a step further david says i david says that i am tefillah i am davening i am prayer and tefillah is always hit balel. hit balel is in hit baal which is the seventh form of, you know, you have different forms of Hebrew words. So tefillah can only be said in the seventh form of Hitbael, which, because you say hit to daven, which we talked about in the past, davening is not doing something to Barucho, it's doing something to yourself, it's changing yourself, it's changing what you want, it's changing who you are, it's becoming higher, it's becoming a higher version of yourself. So David is the seventh. What's the seventh? Seventh is that which number one connects all the pieces of the physical world together, the six sides of the three-dimensional world, connects all the pieces together and connects it to the infinite. But also is that medium that connects the infinite to the finite, connects the Hu to the physical world, connects the Hu to khaiceral. It is the conduit, it is the medium, it is the meeting point between the physical and the infinite, between the spiritual and the physical, between us and the Hu. So David, remember, first of all, what's this idea? It's this powerful idea that David defines himself as tefillah. He says that I am tefillah. What does that mean? First of all, it's, it's, he's not saying that I am davening, like I'm, I'm in the middle of davening. He's saying that he is tefillah. He is a haliyah, avodas haratsun. He is pure will, higher will. Why? Because David Milk made himself nothing other than a pure conduit for reflecting, first of all, absorbing HaKadosh Baruch Ratsun, but then giving that, you know, teaching that, expressing that toll of Klai Israel, and then helping connect Klai Israel back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the idea is that David was a channel. He was a channel for something higher than himself. Obviously, he was tremendously unique. He was a tremendously He was, you know, a musician. He was a shepherd. He was many, many things, but he negated his ego and he became a conduit, a channel, a vessel for something infinitely greater than himself and that's the principle of malchus and that's what hoshana Rabbah is hoshana Rabbah is the seventh so we're not, once again the seventh is what it connects the six days of sukkus to the eighth which we'll get to shmi answer torah it is also the seventh it's the conduit which connects the transcendent to the finite it is the negation of ego it's the day of malchus where we basically say like i just want to be better i just want to purify my will i want uh, you know a serious uncle like so no I want to make what I want what you want I want to uplift what I want I want to become a true version of myself I want to become the best version of myself I want to live on a higher level I want to think greater thoughts I want to want greater wants I want to have greater emotional realities I want to live a higher physical life I-, I want so much more I want what you want it's negating our ego. It's becoming an individual melech over ourselves. That's why the Vilna Gon says the ideal is to become a melech. Melech means moach, lev, kaved, where your thoughts control your emotions, but then control how you act. To live top down, right? Control your thoughts, start thinking great thoughts, learn Torah, learn what, how you're supposed to perceive the world. Then you feel that in your lev, and then kaved, which is the he- literally means like the heaviest, that's your you know kind of... Your liver—it's like where you express yourself into the physical world with your blood, but also is kavod, which is how you, your kavod honor. When people look at you, people give honor to someone when they look at them they say, that person reflects something greater. That person is extraordinary. He's great. She's amazing. She's great. She's exceptional. Why? Because they look and they see something true. They see a reflection of a kashbaru in you, and that's how you express yourself in the physical world. Right? No one will see anyone's thoughts. They'll see how they express themselves in the physical world. That's where honor is given. Honor is not about the deep, intimate connection between you and Hashem. It's about living a life of truth, which is where you—that's why the mission says if you want honor, you won't get honor. Because if you want honor, you have ego, and then no one will see anything really true and powerful about you. It's when you don't want honor, when you all you want is to live a life of truth, and you live that life, then people see something extraordinary in you, and they want to be like you, and they want to live a life of truth. Which is why when you don't care about honor, when all you care about is just living a great, true honor, awesome, empowering life of the Vodas that's the type of people that people respect and want to be like. Honor is a, is a tool. It's a tool to inspire, empower, and impact. Remember that. It's important. So the idea is that Hoshana is negating our ego. Hoshana Rabbah is where we become that conduit, and that's why the idea is... Is very connected to sukkahs because sukkahs is all about this idea of negating ego, and that's really the idea of. I mean, we'll come back to in a couple minutes of the tefillah of Oshana but that's the idea of why sukkahs in general is so connected to this idea of a house. Right? We have sukkahs is connected to this idea of a house. Why? Well, first of all, what is a house? Think about that. What's a home? A home is a space. But why do we connect sukkahs to this space, to this house, right? We have, first of all, sukkahs is connected to the Beis HaMekdash. If you learn the Gemara, Gemara Sukkah, so many suggis throughout the entire Misahta are focused on connecting the halachas of sukkah to the halachas of the Beis HaMekdash. I can give you tons of examples, but the idea is that the sukkah is a, is a mini Beis HaMekdash. Well, what's the idea there? Also, sukkah is a diras arai, a temporary dwelling place. It's a house. We leave our sturdy homes and we recognize that the sturdy security we have in life comes from Kaj and If we'll be secure in our, you know, secure homes, we'll also be secure in Adira in a very temporary dwelling place called the Sukkah. Sukkah's a home. Also a base HaShueva. That's, you know, this place of celebration. It's, there's a Geirsh also. It's a base HaChashuva, house of importance. It's, everything about Sukkah is about this base, this bias, What's the idea of a bias? Why, why are we tapping into the concept of a house? So, a house is a makam, it's a space. But what is the concept of a makam? It's the exact idea we've been talking about. It's the concept of ikkar and tafel. What's the purpose of the space of a makam? It's for what resides within it the ikkar. So, for example, the nishama and guf, the ikkar is the nishama, the guf is the space, it's the house, it's the bias for the nishama. You go into a sukkah, what's the ikr? The Ikr is you. You're in the neshama. When you're sitting in the sukkah, your family's sitting in the sukkah, the iqar is the Torah, is the thoughts, is the essence, it's you. And the sukkah is the tafil, it's the bias, it's the space in which you exist. Space amikdash. Besa Mikdash, we've given Shiram on this, a very deep topic we can't go so much into right now. But the Besa Mikdash is the meeting point between Asana and the Baruch. Hu. It's where Akash Baruch Hu is the most potently manifest within the physical world. It's a space, it's a makom ha Mikdash. It's the space where Akash Baruch Hu comes into the world through the Kosha Kadashim, which is on top of the Evin which is where Akash Baruch Hu creates emanates the world into existence. It's the meeting point between the infinite and the finite, between Asana and the Baruch. Hu. It's where we connect to the infinite, but it's a space. It's a space. And you need to make a space within yourself for a Bilvavi Mishkan or Hutner was famous for making this phrase famous. And the idea is, Bilvavi Mishkan in my heart, I'm going to make a Mishkan. You have to create space within yourself for a Kash Baruch There's a famous mechogaz between the Ramban and Rashi, whether or not the Mishkan was ideal. Was there always going to be a Mishkan or were we able to live without a Mishkan? According to one opinion, we didn't need a Mishkan because the ideal was for us to be walking, a walking base make this a walking Mishkan, Bilvavi Mishkan why? Because what's the idea of a Beis hamikdash? A space for the infinite to reside within, a space for a Baruch Hu to come into this world and reside within. And we need to make that space within ourselves, regardless of whether or not there's an external Mikdash, where according to Ramban, that was always the ideal. According to others, it was just uh, kind of the response, once we had the Chet Hegel, then we needed to build a Mishkan wasn't the ideal. But without getting into the whole sake we really need to give a whole shame because that's a fascinating machokas. There's so many interesting nuances and details about that machokas. But the idea is that we need to create spaces for something to exist within. That's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a makam for us to exist. The Arizal there, Amchal, and they're going to talk about HaKadosh Baruch created a makam Tzimtzum was creating a makam Before HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world, there was only Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Baruch created a vacuum, a space, for us to exist within. We need to create a space for our Kosh Baruch Hu to come into our lives. The truth is that there's also, there's already a space, there's always a space, but we need to create it for us to experience it. That's why this Fasemah says that everyone was being told Lachilcha Avram was the only one who made space and was it, tapped into the frequency that he was able to hear it. We just need to channel. We need to learn to see past the surface. Yiska, Soches, Chach, to see past the surface, to learn how to channel and connect through this physical medium, through this physical world, tap into a higher dimension, a higher reality. The purpose of the vessel, Iker and Tafel, right? We have an orange. What's the purpose of the peel? The peel is to protect the orange, but it's also to allow it to sustain it. But it ultimately also reveals it once you pull it away. But what's the what's the idea when it comes to your your guf, your your vessel versus your neshama? So. On the one hand, your guf contains your neshama, but on the other hand, your guf also allows your neshama, shama, allows you to express yourself into the physical world, but it also allows you to then connect to something higher, to a Baruch You exist, so now you can connect to a Baruch It's really like you are, because you're in your body, you can expand outwards into the physical world, speaking, doing mitzvahs, physical expressions into the world, but then you can go deeper within Connect the higher aspects of yourself and also go to the ultimate root of self to Kashmarahu. So it's like thinking on all directions, thinking on all planes, it's a very it's not this like very simple idea, it's that there's many different levels and aspects and focuses, but it's all within this concept of vikr and Tufel. And that's the idea of your body being a bias for your Nishama. That the body allows for you to do so many things, but it also allows you to go deeper within and tap into higher spiritual aspects of yourself. And that's what the of Mikdash is a bias, and the sukkah is a bias. And if you want to think about it this way, the sukkah is a bias for us, but it also allows what? It allows HaKadosh Baruch Hu to shokhen, to, to dwell with us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, that's what sukkah says. it's after really after Ma'an Torah on Yom Kippur, after Yom Nerayim and after that entire experience, we are now, so to speak, dwelling with Hakaj Baruch Hu. Pesach is the birth of Klai Shul we received the Ma'an Torah, we then sinned, we had to get forgiveness, that was done on Yom Kippur, Moshe brought down the second Luchos on Yom Kippur, and now we dwell with HaGadosh Baruch Hu, living this life with the Harash Hashchina in this world. That's the, whether it's Anani HaKavod, where it represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hashkoch and protection and sovereignty, living, dwelling with us, or Sukhas Mamish, which also represents us living in the Midbar, after Mount Torah, living a life of Torah, that's the same principle and idea of living with HaKadosh Baruch in the sukkah, in this world, in this physical bias. The whole world is our bias. And that's also the difference between Anani HaKavod and Sukhas Mamish. is Anani HaKavod is miraculous, but even when the miraculous stops, we don't have miracles anymore. We don't have nivuah, no more prophecy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't openly revealing Himself. But circus mamish still represents living with Hakadosh Baruch Hu after Mount Torah. That's the idea of living with Hakadosh Baruch Hu after Yom Kippur, which is the second Ma'at Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the luchos to Moshe the second time. And there's also this idea of of all of Klai Yisrael coming together. this idea that anyone in Klai Yisrael can consider anyone's sukkah. There has to be lachem for the Arba Minim, but for the sukkah, it's, the, it's like the Beis dish. All of Klai Yisrael comes together. For the Shrel Shrugolim, all of Klai Yisrael come together. And that's the idea of a sukkah, and that's why all of Klai Yisrael is a bias. Where all of Klai Yisrael is a bias of us as a klal, as a tzibor, connecting to Karash Hu, but also a Karash Baruch Hu residing with Klai Yisrael and within Klai Yisrael on sukkahs. That's part of the idea of simchas Bezashoeva, of the true simcha is that oneness of individual combining into the klal into the tzibor and that tzibor combining into something even greater and connecting to our ultimate root baruchu, which we've, we've talked about many times that tshuva is returning to your true self your higher self then to your klali self klali into the ultimate self of all self then shamos, baruchu, different layers and levels of self layers and levels of the tshuva and Hoshan Rabbah is this idea Shonarab is the idea of emptiness of ego, of becoming something so infinitely greater than a small, individual self. Because as an individual, you can be great, but only as great as you. But once you can expand beyond yourself, you can become infinitely more than yourself. That's the idea of tzavta, of connecting to Akash Baruch Hu. You become something infinitely greater than yourself. You become a partner, a shliach, and a partner with a Baruch Hu. And that's the idea. So. What do we do on Hoshana Rabba? Number one, we use A Arevas. Arevas is a famous, Midrash talks about the esrog. it smells good and it tastes good, different things, some smell, some taste. The Areva has no taste, no smell. It's completely egoless. Now, it doesn't mean that the Areva is the best. It just represents this concept. I mean, it's not bad to have good taste and good smell. esrog. you know, there's one Lushen that even refers to the Areva as Roshan. We're, we're not gonna go into the different complexities of the Midrash, but the idea of having no ego of having nothing of its own, no smell, no taste, is the idea that we're representing and we're trying to tap into on Hashan Rabba, which is really David Hamelch Malchus, this idea of, of transparency, of reflecting, being a conduit, a channel for something infinitely greater than ourselves. And this Arava, which is tapping into something beyond itself because it's nothing of itself, it, it recognizes that its true self comes from something higher. That's the idea of a gemar chasima on Hoshana Rabba. Why? Because once we've finalized our true will, once we recognize that our true root stems from something infinitely higher than ourselves, that's when the final seal, the final gemar din occurs. It's, if you want to think about it like this, it's like there are stages and levels. There's Elul, there's Hashanah, there's Yom Kippur, and then there's the final stage of Yom Kippur, Final stage of the Gemar Chasima, of really tapping into our true self, our true Ratzon, of becoming our true ultimate selves, living that life of truth in this world, that's Hoshana Abba. And that's the idea that when we become a, a channel for Akash will in this world, we want that Gemar Chasima because that's when we're really tapped into our best self, our true self. And that's why in a certain level, the Gemara Din isn't fully complete until Hoshan Rabbah, which is when we really come in back, you know, Yom Kippur is transcending this world, Sukkot is coming into this world, and Hoshana Rabbah is in this world, but still, so to speak, living within a higher plane of reality, channeling, tapping into something higher, and channeling the infinite into the finite. That's where the Gemara Chassim is then. And that's why Hoshan Rabbah is a day of tefillah. If you want to take it a step deeper, the Arava is shaped like lips. If you look at the Yerava, the Yerava is shaped like lips because the Yerava, Shoshana Raba, it's a day of Tefillah, it's a day of Avodas Halevavos, of making our Ratzon like a Kachbaruch's redstone, uplifting our redstone, becoming our true selves, and that's why we have a super Tefillah. Because what's Malchus? Malchus is connecting all the pieces together remember 6 are all the pieces 7 is connecting all the pieces together and connecting it to the 8th connecting it to the infinite Malchus is connecting all the pieces together and channeling it and expressing it as oneness and that's why the Hoshana Rabbah tefillah is connecting all the different types of tefillah together it's one literally like a hybrid tefillah where we take all the other aspects all the other type of tefillah from the year and we combine it into one tefillah and we use that to connect to Gash Baruch and that's also the idea of being there of us Is we're negating our egos. We're knocking our egos out. We're saying, I just want to be my true self. I want to be my highest self. I want to be my best self. And that's that's awesome. Like that idea is so incredible. And so far, what we've developed is succus is the idea of connecting something infinite through the finite schach, seeing past the surface. Hoshan Rabba is becoming that channel, negating our ego, learning how to be. Infinite while still within the finite, wanting so much to be our best selves, but our best unique selves that fully embraces our uniqueness and our individuality, but devotes it towards something completely beyond ourselves. True Avoda true Tefillah, Hoshanarab is the seventh. And then we have eighth, Lamala Minhateva why on and Saras a lot of people don't eat in the Sukkah. Why? Because and Saras is the eighth. It's that which results from the previous seven days. That's why according to many opinions in the Gemara, and Saras is a separate Chag. It's not just part of Sukkah. It emanates from Sukkah. It's Lamala, It's above Sukkah. As Akash Baruch Hu. after all these days, Akash Baruch Hu wants one more day with us. That's what Gemara talks about. It's this day beyond. That's why uh, many people don't eat in the Sukkah, because it's beyond the Sukkah. We take it back into a regular life. Taking all of what Sukkot gave us we bring it back into our life. It's this higher plane, higher level of reality. But there's a bunch of questions when it comes to, we'll really, for the sake of this, we're going to close up with this last part of this year. We're going to focus on Shemini Yitzaris and Simchas Torah, which, for the sake of this part of the year, we'll, we'll combine as one day. And in Yisrael, one day. Really, it's fundamentally one day. And Chutzlar is to split into two. But this idea of, of Simchas Torah being a very interesting day. Number one, we finish the cycle of Torah, we finish V'zosa Bracha, and we really, V'zosa Bracha really requires a lot of discussion, we're not going to focus on that now, but V'zosa Bracha, because it gets kind of swept under the rug because we're focusing on Simchas Torah, no one really talks about V'zosa Bracha, it's an incredible parsha. so many important ideas. But in addition to the fact that we finish the Torah cycle, there's a lot of dancing and circling around. We do hakafas all of Sukkas, we do a lot of hakafas in Simchas Torah, There's a lot of singing and dancing. And really, the Torah itself is referred to as a song. We refer to Lachem as a Azos in Hazinu. The Torah is referred to as a song. What's this idea? What's the idea of a song? Why do we refer to Torah as a song? As a matter of fact, the Rambam says that if we didn't have Torah, we'd learn the depths of, of spiritual truth. We'd connect Hashem through music, through song. So what's the idea here? So there are lots of circles in Torah thought. We have the hakafos, right? But they also circled around Yericho seven times. Simchas Torah, we have seven hakafos. When it comes to weddings, we sing in, in circles. And, and really all simchas we sing and dance in circles. There's this idea that the Gemara and Tainas, it says that Tzadik and Olhabar are going to be circling around HaKash Baruch with crowns on their head pointing to HaKash Baruch And that's going to, you know, the, the Ziv HaShchina, lots of strange circles we really have a circular concept of time we circle around in time so what's this idea of a circle so to be very honest with you this requires a, a very very full shear like at least an hour probably 2 or 3 hours but for the sake of time we're going to keep it very short and we'll you know we've actually we've talked about this a little bit in the past you can probably find some stream we've given on the past but for the sake of for the sake of brevity we're going to really focus on just the concept of what a circle is In spiritual thought a circle represents spiritual death why because a circle has no beginning it has no end it has no change it is just sameness there's no growth there's no newness there's no development it's unidimensional it's just something self-contained and yet we have lots of circles that we could just mention so what's the idea the idea is like this a circle can become something much more on one condition you learn to view the circle as something which actually climbs into a spiral. Why? So in general, we think of time as something straight, right? You go, you have past, present, future. We've mentioned this idea as the most, one of the most powerful ideas you can ever hear. It's how to view time. Now, when you view time as a straight line, you basically have the past, present, and future. But the Ram Chassel, that's not how time works. It's a circle. Every year has a yearly cycle of Shefa based on the Chagim, based on the different Zmanim. So we have the Zman of Pesach, Zman of Zman of Shavu, Zman Man, Torah, Zman, Zman of Sukkot, Zman Zim, Chir, Zman Different Zmanim. And those Zmanim have the themes of the time that you can tap into, and those are fundamental themes. Now why? Why do we know this? So we know this because Rashi brings down the, the Midrash. That, besides for this, is being you know, Chazal talked about this plenty of times. But one of those famous examples is Rashi says that Avraham was baking matzos when the Malachim came, and Lot was baking matzos. And that same is Pesach. So what do you mean was Pesach? Pesach wouldn't occur, Ezekiel's trying didn't occur for another couple hundred years. What, what are we talking about? So the idea is like this Pesach didn't occur, Ezekiel's trying didn't occur because you know, it's time to leave Mitzrayim. We don't celebrate Pesach because of Yitzhi, because of Yitzis Mitzrayim. The reason why ETS Mitzrayim occurred was because it was on Pesach. Pesach is the Zman of Chirus. Avram was tapping into that Zman. It wasn't tapping into Yitzis Mitzrayim, He was tapping into the, the concept of Pesach that always did exist, that always will exist. We don't celebrate Yitzis Mitzrayim on Pesach, we celebrate Pesach and we tap into it through Yitzis Mitzrayim, which is the ultimate paradigm of Pesach. As in, we have to think of time as being innate. There are fundamental themes within time. Torah was given on Shavuos because that is man Man Torah This is Sukkos Isman sem'chaseinu. Not because historically something happened at this time and therefore we're commemorating that theme in time. These are the themes of time. But there's a problem, which is, so we're just repeating every single year? Throughout all of history we're just repeating themes? And that's why we have this idea of spiraling through time that every single year we come back to that same historical point in the circle, but on a new and elevated level. So every single year we are elevating the circle of time, spiraling through time. Every year has its unique purpose. Every year has its unique shafa, but more importantly, every day, every moment, every second. And we are constantly elevating. We turn the circle into a spiral, and that's always the idea of circles circles represent spiritual death spirals represent spiritual life and you can imagine a life where you do the same thing every single day that's a circle wake up eat breakfast go to work come back home eat dinner go to sleep repeat that's a circular life spiraling through life is always always elevating even if you're doing the same thing you dive in the same shman every single day the same words but different kavana, different concentration same marriage new meaning and experiences new connection the same foods but enjoying the taste in a new way bring in newness the nevash says no two tefillos should ever be the same bring newness into the old that's why we count our first mitzvah was was the chodesh uh, the months why why was that the first mitzvah because chodesh also has the same root as chodesh new the idea of, of making a blessing in the new month is the idea of tapping into the kinds of newness. The moon waxes and wanes. That's why we count Zman based on the the moon, not the sun, because the sun doesn't change. The moon waxes and wanes. The the rest of the world, they count by the sun. That's why it's called Shana, year, where it says Yashin, sleeping, Shana, old. But Chodesh is Chodesh, it's newness. We're tapping into newness. We're turning the circles into spirals. We're spiraling through time. And that's actually the deep idea. The deep idea is that we connect the circular to the spiral, right? We, we turn the circles into spirals. When we think of a song, a song is really just two low verses and two high verses, two low verses, two high verses. But the beauty of a song is you're spiraling through that zemmer. That's why a shear actually also it's yes, yeah, sharp, but sheer also means a circle because the song goes straight, but it also is circling around. It's the same two low verses, two high verses. There's a bridge, but it's too, high, too low, too high. And every single time you go back to the low verse, it's on a new level of energy because of what you built with the high verse. You're spiraling. Every single time you go through it, you're developing a higher and higher level. So, the hakafos, every time we circle, we're going another, another rung. Every day of sukkahs, we do the hakafos, we're going one rung higher. Simchas Torah, seven hakafos, we go to the eighth. Every single circle is building another level, another rung. The sadikim circling around the Baruchu, every single time, gaining new insights, new connections, connecting to Hashem on a on deeper level. Hashem is the center, and we are circling, spiraling. To, to new heights and new levels of a connection and the idea of, of music as well of seven notes what's the eighth note the eighth note is the same as the first note right one through seven or seven notes the next the eighth note is the first note on the next rung up it's a brilliant idea it's all we do in life is if we spiral that's what the eighth is. Lamala is the next level up but it's actually really coming down to that first one on the next level. That's why, think about Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Yom Kippur is, is transcending, right? We're malachim, we wear white, we say brush, shenq, only something malachim say, we don't eat, we don't engage in the physical world. Sukkot is we engage in the physical world, we shake lulav, we engage in the physical world. But why? We, we're coming back down into the physical? No, we're going from you know, one rung to the next rung up. We're now in the physical world on a higher level than we were last year. It's always spiraling. Through life, we are always spiraling. And that's the idea, powerful idea, behind connecting the circles to the spirals, behind connecting the old to the new. The the Vilnagon actually brings an amazing example. He says that we actually turn the non-Jewish Shana into a Chodesh. How? Because there's this amazing idea that Halacha actually embraces the concept of the 365 day year, not the 354, 355, 355 day year is a full lunar year, and a Shana is 365, right? So what's the idea? The idea is that there's a 10 day difference. But Halachic year should be the lunar year, 355, and yet... Halacha acknowledges there are many times where, uh, I can give you a couple of examples, you can look up for yourself in Mako, Staf, Chaf, Gimel, Mabes, Beis, Krisis, daf, Vav, Alif, Chaf, Amem, a bunch of examples where Halacha embraces the concept of a solar year, the day year. So the Vilna Gaon says how? Because we bridge the solar, the solar and lunar year. How do we do that? Through the Eser Esmei Teshuvah. Right? Because our lunar year ends on Rosh Hashanah, but there's 10 extra days from after when the when the lunar year ends, those extra 10 days, that starts to make shuva, that bridges the gap. There's a lot more about that. That's a very, very deep concept we're not going to go into right now. But the idea is that we are always spiraling through time. We are always becoming the ultimate versions of ourselves within this physical world. We're learning to see the world in a deeper way. And that's the idea of a song. A song, it's all the pieces coming together, and yet we're also circling. It's the same... Too low stages of the song, too high, the chorus go back to low, go back to the high. But we're spiraling through life in that song. And we have to learn how to play our instrument. We have to learn how to find our role to play. And the way to find your role, become your ultimate self, is to also recognize that as you find your ultimate self, it's not about you. It's about becoming something bigger than yourself, negating your ego, your ego, Hoshana Rabba. And that's really the the connection. The sixth, uh, Sukhas, learning to peer past the surface. Transparency, seeing the infinite through the finite. And then the seventh, connecting that finite to something infinitely deeper. It's learning how to peer past the surface through negating your ego. That's the key tool to seeing a deeper reality, is recognizing there's something so much greater than you. And you're part of that. And by negating your ego, you become something infinitely greater than you thought you were. But only when you recognize that you are not the center of the universe, you are a part of it. But the center, the ultimate root, we have to ultimately connect ourselves back to the ultimate root, and connect to Hashem in the deepest way. And Baruch created this world for us, and we've talked about this many times. We are supposed to be great. We're supposed to be extraordinary. We're supposed to be godlike beings. We're supposed to actualize our godlike potential but only through the lens and the mechanism of recognizing that we can't have any ego involved. It's not about us. It's about something so much greater than us, and we're part of that. And when you are able to then, through the seventh, connect all the pieces together, and then connect to on top of the eighth, you're able to really spiral through life. And that's the idea of, of Simcha's Torah, of just an You know, embracing this journey, embracing the spiraling, learning how to connect to the infinite through the finite, learning how to spiral through this life. And the biggest bracha anyone can give you is for you to learn how to play your instrument, learn how to find your individuality, your uniqueness, but devote that uniqueness to something greater than yourself. So this sukkah says we sit in the sukkah and we peer past the surface through the schach, and as we do hakafos, and as we shake the dalad minim, which is bringing all the aspects of reality together into one bundle, Eged Achas, into one bundle. And we, it's a, its really, you know, it's we're we're in the base HaMikdash. The sukkah is our base HaMikdash. And we're connecting to the infinite through the finite. And on Hoshana Rabbah, we're negating our ego. We're... You know, knocking the Revos on the floor and we're davening, it's of the feel of, of really connecting to Malchus and, and Malchus based David and the ultimate concept of being a conduit, a channel for something infinitely beyond ourselves. Connect all these ideas together so that when we come to Simcha's Torah and we just dance with the Torah and we are besimcha with the Torah, we recognize that this is just one rung on the spiral. We're about to do an even higher level because what happens the moment we finish the reading of the Torah? start from gracious we start the next rung of the spiral every single kriya satora is that you know we're basically going through that same circular process of one torah every single year but we're spiraling every time you learn it you learn it on a deeper level every time this time when we go through kriya satora this year you want to do it on a deeper level this year think about one how you can actually engage in new acts of growth but number two think about the things you're already doing how you can take it to the next level How you can take it another another layer deeper. How you can take it one step further. Because that's our life. We are spiraling through life. So I hope you have an incredible circus. I hope that you're able to really deepen how you engage in and perceive all the different aspects of this Chag, this incredible Chag. And may we continue to spiral through life together.